I was very, very conscious. It's um, in the six week break, I just felt God say, hey, when, when you come back, I want you to preach a little less. I'm like, well, I haven't preached for six weeks. How do I tell the team? He's like, no, 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 when you're up. I'm like, oh, okay. He goes, when you're preaching, preach a little less, minister a little more. Minister a little more. Sometimes you can kind of get all enamored with what God showed you. You're like, oh, I want to show you what, I want to show you what I got from God this week. You know, it's like a new toy. I want to show you what I got. And he's like, just, that's awesome. Stay excited, but just allow room, allow room for the Holy Spirit. So before we're finished today, gee, ah, well, I guess time flies while we're having fun. We must be having fun. Uh, I want to pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So come with me in your Bibles, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. The title of my message is Joy to the World. Just like the, the, the hymn, the great hymn by Isaac Watts, Joy to the World, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. Let heaven and nature sing. Let heaven and nature sing. Let heaven and nature what a man you guys could be a choir (laughs) sounds so good all right Uh, it says this in verse 8 it says now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night and behold an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid then the angel said to them do not be afraid for behold I bring you good tidings I bring you good news of great joy Not just joy, but of great joy, which will be to some of the people. Sorry, which will be to just the Jewish, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying. Now, let me just tell you, when the heavenly host are saying something, they are saying something from a different sphere, from a different realm, from a different viewpoint, from a different vantage point, from a different perspective. The the angels aren't entangled in our mess. They're they're, they're in the glory and the presence of God. And so the angels say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, good will toward men. So angels are saying there's great joy. They're saying that there's peace on earth and good will towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made it widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. What an awesome story. So really quickly, I just want to give you a few quick thoughts today. Joy to the world. Joy to the world. To have something that is classified as to, it has to come from. So when, when we're filling out our you know, Christmas gifts, this is two beautiful Naomi.
Milwaukee, Illinois, the Hawaiian sensation. From, love from. Everything that has a to also begins with a from. So the angels come and they say joy to the world because we've come from a place of joy. And what, what, what we have here, we're giving to you. On earth, there's peace because we come from a place of peace. We come from heaven. Goodwill towards men. Goodwill towards men. This is just really, really important for you to understand that, that uh, there's goodwill. I was, I was listening to somebody online this week. Um, Leanne likes to play these things that are just, she'll listen to people that I, I, I don't want to listen to. But she, she does. She's amazing. She's like, ah, oh, like, what? anyway. And so it's, so she was listening to this person who was having a go at Joel Osteen. Because, you know, Joel was saying in one of his sermons, and I'm sure if you dissect any sermon, you can find how it violates Scripture. You know, anything, any throwaway comment is like, you know, and Joel's just, you know, he's just saying that, you know, deep down, people are good people. You know, and he's like, nobody's got, nobody's, you've got a bad heart deep down, they, you know. And, and what he's saying, he's not... And so the person went to, you know, Jeremiah 17, 9, where it says, you know, the heart of man is desperately wicked, deceitful above all things. Who can know it? You know, eh, you know it's like, it's like but, but Joel's endearing people because most people, most people were created in the image and the likeness of God. And most people don't walk around bent on evil. So that's what he's saying. And so I just need you to understand that, that God is not the mighty smiter in the clouds, just kind of hanging on the edge of the cloud for you to mess up. And as soon as you transgress, I <laughs> got him. Now who's next? Like God is not in heaven. He didn't create humans so that he can smite them and rub their face in their mess. But yeah, that's how most people sadly see themselves. So let me give you a couple of quick thoughts. The first one is you were created in joy for joy. You were created in joy. There was joy in God's heart when he created you. There was no labor in God's heart. There was no lament in his heart. There, there was no sadness in his heart. Now we know later, it says in, in, uh, in Genesis 6, that the, the, the Lord's heart was grieved. And he said, I'm deeply troubled. I'm, I'm almost sorry I'm sorrowful that I made man because the intent of his heart and the thoughts of his mind are only evil continuously. So God had to wipe out that generation and bring a new stock forward from, from Noah who was blameless. So I just want you to know you're from Noah's seed and you, Noah was blameless before the Lord. And so Genesis has this beautiful pattern and it begins that God creates the heavens and the earth and then God said, let there be light. And he saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. Evening, morning, first day. And then the second day, God said, let there be a firmament and let the water separate and it was good. And God saw that it was good and it was the second day. Then the third day, let dry ground appear and let the veg... God saw that it was good. And then the fourth day, sun, moon, stars, and God saw that it was good. And then God created all the animals, you know, from the ground and the, the birds in the air and the uh, fish in the ocean and the whales and the, the, the dolphins playing and the little penguins. You know, the, the crabs, you know. I, I, cra crabs are a fascinating creature. Crabs, it's almost like 
they, they, they almost look like they've, they've done something, like they've stolen somebody's lunch money. Don't they? You always see a crowd and it's like, what are you up to? Like they just, there's just something about a crowd, just, anyway. And so, so God, God, and God, look, God looks and, and, and he's like, man, it's good, it's good. And so we see this, you know, first day is good, second day is good, third day is good, fourth day is good, fifth day is good. And then on the sixth day, God says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. The Bible says, so the Lord God made man in his image and in his likeness. And then God blessed them. Verse 28 says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue, exercise dominion. Fish of the sea, birds of the air, beasts of the field. And then the Bible says, God looked and behold, it was very good. You upgrade creation. You, it's because of you, creation was upgraded from good to very good. This is, this is a very, very difficult point because most of us struggle with the concept. My, my greatest challenge is that I have to live with me. If I didn't live with me, it'd be so much easier to believe the Word of God. But because I live with me, I'm aware of all my shortcomings. I'm aware of all my failings. I'm aware, aware of all my transgressions. I'm aware of all the places I... And so when I see the Word of God, I'm thinking, that's not for me. That's for John Heinrichs. He's perfect. <laughs> Very close. But when I read... And that's because from the moment we're born into this world, we're born into a fallen world that is built on a, a performance scale. Even when we're in school, if you do well, you get an A. Or you, you get that horrible red F with the circle around it. And if you don't get the F, a D minus is kind of like you should have got an F, but somebody kind of threw a bone. <laughs> Throw me a bone here, would you? It's like, you know, it's like. So we live on this performance when you do well, when you do well, when you do well. God didn't make you a human doing. He made you a human being. And God, God sees beyond our failings. He sees beyond our flesh. He sees beyond our weakness. He sees beyond our struggles. He sees beyond our, our, our inabilities. He sees beyond our shortcomings. And what God does is He, he sees the intrinsic value of you. And let me just tell you, you may not be perfect, but you're the only version of you that He has. You're the only version of you that He has. And when you're outside of God, when you're away from His family, it, it grieves His heart. It, 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 it grieves Him. That's why I, I really love Twisted, because how many people enjoy JD, the, 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 the archangel this year? Yeah. You know, though there's much pain in their world and God gives them free will, free will enough to resist the Father, but He doesn't stop pursuing them. Yeah. Can't you feel it? Even now it's in the air. And God, God is relentless. To the, to the day you breathe your last breath, He'll be pursuing. To the day you breathe your last breath, He's chasing you. 
not because he only goes after the good or only goes after the holy or goes after the perfect. He goes after you because you're the only you that he has. I have four kids. We lost Tommy, my youngest son. We lost him at Mammoth. I went one way down the mountain and I didn't realize that little rascal went another way. He was four. And we get to the bottom of the hill and I got my other kids, but where's Tommy? He's the little guy, he's four years about, and he's gone down a completely different run on Mammoth Mountain. We've lost him. And I'm like, so I'm looking everywhere. An hour later, I still haven't found him. So I called Leanne, I thought, well, maybe the little tyke realized he's separated from us and somehow made his way back to the chalet in a miracle that he might have, you know, but maybe, so I called Leanne, who didn't want to ski that day. Now, how many people thank God for beautiful pastor Leanne? You know, she's a, she's a great minister. You know, she's got a heart after the Lord. She loves Jesus with all her heart, mind, soul, spirit, and strength. You know, she's a, she's a woman of, of great grace. So I called Leanne and said, babe, babe, has, um, has Tommy, is Tommy, what? Is, is Tommy, did Tommy, are you, is he, did he? by happenstance happen to make it to the chalet where you are? It's, it's Tommy. She goes, what? If you've lost him, I will never forgive you, click. Un poquito pressure. So I realized that she is a wonderful Christian until it comes to one of her children then Christianity and all its tenets are optional. You know what I didn't say to her, honey, we got four kids. So we lost one, we still got the other three. There's still three. That... God's like that with you. The fact that there's seven billion people, it doesn't until he has you. And you may say, well, I'm not perfect. And man, I'm so messed up and I'm so, yeah, yeah. God doesn't look at that. He looks through our mess to the intrinsic value that you are his child. None of my children are perfect. Now yeah, there are moments I think they're perfect, but none of my children are perfect, but it doesn't stop me loving them. I love them because they're mine. God doesn't love you because you're perfect. He loves you because you're His. There's goodwill from heaven towards you. Somebody say amen. amen. Oh, dear Jesus, I've completely butchered this message. I apologize. Um, so, oh, so you were created in joy for joy, but somebody needed to hear, hear, hear that. Just... You know, if you hear nothing else, God loves you. He's for you. There's goodwill towards you. Joy to the world. God wants to bring joy to you. Now, let me just say this. Because you were created in joy for joy, you will find that there are things that you enjoy. That you enjoy. Enjoy just literally means to be in joy. You know, uh, I know that Brad enjoys being a dad, and he's an extraordinary dad. He married beautiful Anya, and they have the most beautiful little baby girl. 
and he loves his bride. He loves his, that's, that's, he enjoys being a dad. He's also an incredible welder. He enjoys what he does. He enjoys his getting a paycheck because he enjoys the fact that he can provide for his beautiful bride and he can provide for his beautiful daughter. Uh, some of us, we enjoy the outdoors. We enjoy sailing. We enjoy surfing. We enjoy hiking. We enjoy snowboarding, skiing. We enjoy the mountains. Some of us, we enjoy solitude. If you've got a whole bunch of kids, we enjoy peace and quiet. We enjoy when they, those little tykes are finally asleep. We enjoy that. You know, we, we enjoy church. We enjoy life. We enjoy food. Is there any other foodies here? You know, if anything, over the six weeks, I ate way too much food. We enjoy food. You know, we, uh, Leanne and I have a couple of memberships at Vineyards out in Temecula, and we enjoy nothing else than just going out there, getting a charcuterie board and looking out over the, the, the vines and the mountains and enjoying a glass. We, we enjoy that. We enjoy sport. I, I enjoy watching my, my football teams dominate. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy surfing. There's things that we enjoy. The problem with, with enjoy is that all enjoyment has a duration. It has an expiration date. That while I'm doing the activity, while, while there's joy in it, but when, when, when the kids wake up, when, when I've got to come in from the surf, when I've got to come down from the mountain, when the food's all eaten, the... So what we do is we, we live with this cycle where we can't wait. Man, I can't wait this Christmas where I enjoy Christmas. I enjoy this. We can't wait to put up the tree. There's something about joyful about And, and you're meant to have all of those joyful moments because you were created in joy for joy. You, you're meant to enjoy. But can I just tell you that if, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, what can happen is that we can come to a place where those joys become pursuits that then become obsessions that can lead into addictions. It's a very fine line between a glass of wine or a second glass with your meal and before you know it, you're self-medicating just to cope with all the pressure on the outside. And there's no judgment there. There's no judgment there. I, if I was honest with you, the, the six weeks, I found that I had a number of areas in my life where I was self-medicating just to kind of cope with 2020, 2021, the pressure, you know, church, how do you navigate, COVID, lockdown, shutdowns, the health, you know, you, you guys are super spreaders, plague rat, hey, we're going to kill you because you're potentially killing people, so we're going to kill you, and you know, just stupid stuff. And so you just constantly, friends lost, you know, everything going on, it, it was very easy. But, but I want you to know that the Bible teaches us that there is a joy that supersedes. There is a joy that is transcendent. And, and point number two, that joy is in Jesus. The, 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 the angels appear to the shepherds and they first thing they say to the shepherds, there is great joy. There is great because born to you this day is a savior. Born to you. Can I tell you, for God so loved the world, he didn't send a therapist. If, if therapy is what you and I needed, he would have sent a therapist. God sent a savior because we needed saving. We needed saving. L let, me, let me just kind of double down on that. I, I, I've, I've heard some interesting preaching over the years, and I just want to kind of correct it today on the theology of that the reason that the angels appeared to the shepherds is because God loves the poor. God loves the poor. And so, so the, the, the angels came to the shepherds, meaning that the angels came to the poor. 
I don't understand how people with a full-time job are poor. If the angels really come to the poor, why didn't they go to the people that didn't have a job? These guys were shepherds. They were full-time employees. So even though, it, it, even though it kind of preaches kind of a woke gospel, it's not biblically factual. The reason that the angels appeared here in Luke chapter 2 to the shepherds, they didn't appear to the shepherds in Galilee, even though Galilee is filled with pasture lands. Capernaum filled with pasture lands. They were in Bethlehem. They were in Bethlehem. Because Bethlehem is just outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the city of David. And just outside of the walls is designated pasture, land, pasture lands where they had sheep so that they could bring them in for Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, where they could bring them in for the Passover, where they could bring them in weekly for the sacrifices for the priests. Because to get them from Galilee, to ship them down from Capernaum, to ship them down from Mount Hebron, to ship them is too long, so they, they had them here. So these shepherds had one goal, and that was to raise sheep, spotless, blameless, that could be used for the sac. Their whole job was to raise sheep for atonement, lambs for atonement. And the shepherds appear and they say, all your labor, all your toil for temporary atonement, because every year on Yom Kippur, sheep have to be sacrificed. Every week, sheep have to be sacrificed. Every Passover, the sheep that you've given birth, raised, have to be sacrificed. But I want you to know this good news. If you go to the city of David now, you'll find that there's a sign. You'll find a baby in a feeding trough. That's what a manger is. And that baby will be wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. So the shepherds with these angels telling them, babies, when they're born, you don't put them in a feeding trough. And you don't wrap them in filthy milk rags. That's what swaddling cloths are. They're the rags that you use to mop up the milk when you finish milking the, the cows and, and the goats. It's... And so they come and they go into the inn and here's Mary and she looks up and these shepherds come in and the shepherds tell her, you're not going to believe what just happened. Angels appeared and they said there's going to be a sign. And this is exactly what they told us. They said, we're going to find a baby lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling cloths. This is so important because joy is in Jesus. Jesus is the Savior. When they look down, they see lying in this, this wooden, they see a baby wrapped in dirty milk rags because it was a picture of the beginning of his life to mirror a picture of the end of his life. In the end of his life, they would also lay him on wood and they would pick it up and he would be wrapped in the filthy rags of our mess, of our sin, of our violations, of our transgression. And just how moments earlier he had come out of a virgin womb that would take him from that cross, from that wood, with, 
and they would put him in a virgin tomb. The Bible says of the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea that nobody had ever lain, no man had lain in this tomb. It was a virgin womb for his birth and it was a virgin tomb for his rebirth, for his resurrection, but it was, it was a mirror picture. Jesus is joy. He is great joy because He is a Savior. He, he's an atoner. What does atoner mean? Jesus, the angels appeared to the shepherds to point to Jesus because these innocent lambs would be brought to the high priest. And the high priest's job was to take an innocent little lamb that has done nothing deserving of death. Three times, Pilate says, this man has done nothing deserving of death. The priests would look on this little lamb that has done nothing. They, we're the ones with the sin, not this. And he would lean on and he would confess the sins of Israel onto the innocent lamb. And then the lamb would be sacrificed because God would make an exchange. The sins of Israel would go onto the innocent lamb and the innocence and the blamelessness of the lamb would be put on God's people so that they could continue to enjoy God's bountiful blessing. They could continue to walk in God's benevolence benevolent grace. They could continue to walk in God's favor and loving kindness. There had to be an exchange. And the reason that the angels appeared to the shepherds was to say there's going to be a sign that everything that you're toiling for, I've brought forth my own lamb. I've brought forth my own atoner. What does atonement mean? It literally means a race that my sins have been erased. When I stand before God, it's going to be a little bit interesting because I'm going to be aware of all the reasons why I shouldn't be allowed into heaven. And yet when God opens the books, He says, <laughs> there's nothing here to disqualify you. And I'm like, well, actually, I think you might have the wrong book. Uh, just double check, is that Jurgen with a J? And, uh, but it, because Jesus on the cross, the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgression from us. He erased. He, come on, somebody. Just give him a, a praise right there. I'm grateful that he didn't just erase. He eradicated all of our sin, all of our violation. That gives me great joy because let me tell you, sin is a joy thief. Sin may bring pleasure. It may bring a hit, but it'll rob you of joy. It'll rob you of peace. Not only is Jesus the atoner, He's the freedom bringer. He breaks the chains. He breaks addictions. He, he, he destroys the habits that we kind of get caught up into. As we kind of went into the six-week break, it was amazing how many just kind of little habits. Like It's like my, my phone, I couldn't, I kept, I'd have jitters. I'd turn it down like this. And I'm like, I just got to stop it. I just, no, just, I've got to, and Jesus is a freedom bringer. He's a deliverer. He's a deliverer. Here I am. And he comes in and he drives out the devil. He's a deliverer. All that torments you, all that comes after you, all that drives you, all that torments you in the night. He's a deliverer. He delivers you from those things, those fears, those anxieties. He, he delivers you from torment. He delivers you from judgment. He delivers you. He delivers you from guilt and shame and condemnation. He doesn't just forgive you. He delivers you. He delivers you. The Bible says He, he takes us from the kingdom of darkness and de delivers us to the kingdom of the Son of His love. He's a healer. He heals your mind. He heals our souls. He heals our bodies. He heals our hearts. The Bible says, Spirit of the Lord is upon me for He has anointed me to preach the good news, to heal the brokenhearted, 
God doesn't just heal your physical body. He heals the brokenness in our souls. He heals the brokenness in our hearts. He heals the brokenness in our minds. He's a healer. He's a Savior. On the cross, He was the Lamb. That the Heavenly Father put your transgressions and my transgressions on Him. And then His blameless, sinless state, He gave to you. When you stand before God, if you are in Christ, when God looks at you, He sees the perfection of Jesus. That's why the Bible says on that day, you know, Paul says, I'll receive the crown. When you read the book of Revelation, the Bible says they bowed and they cast their crowns before Him because they're like, dude, you put a crown on our head, we wouldn't even flipping be here if you hadn't made the exchange. We're only in here, in the presence of God, in the glory of God, in eternity, in paradise, because you made the exchange. And they sing all glory, all honor to the Lamb seated on the throne. Jesus came to relieve you of all the things that rob and steal your joy. And the last one, point number three, is that when we're baptized with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit means that you'll have joy. Jesus says, anyone who believes in me out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Whoever believes in me out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. You know, it's interesting because the Bible says God is love. And it's interesting that love is the first fruit. This is what I found. I found the people that reject God, that reject love, have no joy, no peace. Patience, got it. If you need an example, watch the view. I mean, there's people, their name is joy, but they ain't got none. Because they reject love. It's amazing. Once you receive love, once you receive the spirit of love, once you receive the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden you have joy. When you have love and joy, is peace. Love, joy, peace. And then all of a sudden, it's fine, man. I'm not that bothered. Patience comes. You find yourself patient. Kindness. You find yourself, hey, uh, you know what? Now you, you go ahead. Hey, can I, let me buy that coffee. You're like, man, why am I kind? Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. So it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. I want you to know it's not the product, it's not the labor. It's the fruit. Just from being filled with the Holy Spirit, you become a better person. I was a jacked up mess on legs when I met Jesus. I thought, all right, I'm going to give you my life, but you may have bitten off more than you can chew because I am a jacked up mess. He's like, don't worry. I'm going to put a spirit in you that is greater than you. He's the third person of the Trinity. And every time you're jacked up, it's because you stop yielding. But if you'll just keep yielding into Him, He'll begin to express my nature through you. Whenever you see, whenever, whenever I look like Jesus, all Holy Spirit. Whenever I don't look like Jesus, which there's a few, Leanne will tell you. It's because I'm not yielded in certain areas. So come on, why don't we stand to our feet? We're coming to the end of the service. Just lift your hands high to heaven. Why don't you make room? 
we have the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, the Christmas story. And most of you know the Christmas story, but the reason Jesus was laid in a manger was because he was born in a barn. He was born in, a, in, in, in the stable. They didn't have any room for him in the inn. Can you imagine, Ron, that the, the, the inn owner in heaven? I mean, long before Homer Simpson had a dull moment, for probably the last 2,000 years, the owner of the gym is in heaven. Go, don't! I didn't know it was if I wouldn't, I would have kicked someone else out. And God, I didn't know. The Son of God could have been born in anybody's house. I mean, if it was my, you know, the presidential suite, I don't care who's up there, Prince Charles, we're kicking him. You know, let's put, I mean, but he was so busy making money, so busy with transactions. His hotel had never been so full. Herod's decree, Herod's mandate. Uh, oh my God, best thing for my business. Walmart, Amazon Prime, best thing. And, and so he's making money. He ain't got time to look at Messiah. But for 2,000 years, he's like, oh, I didn't realize, God, that was your boy. I, didn't, I, put, him, I put him in the shed out the back. They had to wrap him in swine. I didn't even provide a sheet. They had to lay him. They, I, I didn't even bring a little cot. They had to put him in a feeding trough. The story of Christmas is accentuated by somebody that's too busy to make room. Let's not be on repeat of the inner. Come on, lift your hands and listen. Just make room for God. Make room for God. Make room for the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit fall on you. Let the Holy Spirit fill you afresh. Father, I thank you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for a baptism of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father, that you're right now filling people to overflowing, filling people to overflowing. If you don't yet have a, a, a brand new prayer language, you can have that. You can have that. It's, it's what the Holy Spirit does. I don't understand. Why would He give me languages? to speak that I've never learned. Well, there's two reasons. Number one, because he's a universal. In fact, he's not only going to limit the languages to earthly languages. The Apostle Paul says, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, of angels. Why, why would I speak angelic tongues? Because sometimes you just need to, to allow the Holy Spirit through you to bring good tidings, to, to, to bring great joy, to, to bring peace, to bring goodwill from God to us. Every time an angelic tongue has come, it is prophetic. Things shift in heaven long before they arrive on earth. Sometimes you need to do that. The reason that it's a language that you don't understand, the reason it's a language you don't understand is so that you don't mess with it. If you knew what the Holy Spirit was praying, you'd be interrupting. Hang on, whoa, whoa, you got the wrong person. I could never do that. What are you talking about? I don't deserve that. We'd be interrupting him the whole time. So he's like, yeah, you know what? For your sake, it's going to be a language you didn't learn in school. It's a language you did not learn with Rosetta Stone. It's a there's a there's a reason you don't understand the language is so that God can pray through you, for you, bringing things to you that you would disqualify, that you wouldn't believe for. It's why it's come on. 
Father, I thank you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we make room. 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 Listen, I've completely squandered my time. But if you have not received Christ, make room for Him this Christmas. Make room for Him today. We've got a beautiful team over here. We have a response lounge. We want to give you a Bible, a following Jesus book. Go and see them. They'll give that to you. Uh, Likewise, we're going to have the ministry team are going to come forward. If you're like, man, I'm stuck. I want that gift. I want that baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want that. Our ministry team will pray for you. But come on, lift your hands one more time. Let me pray a blessing over you. Father, I thank you for these magnificent, magnificent sons and daughters. God loves you because you're the only version of you. Don't let the devil say, well, God doesn't love you because you did A, B, and C, because your performance is is lacking over here and it's subpar over there. God does not operate on performance. God operates on biology. You are His. You have His nature. You are made in His image and in His likeness, and you are in His heart. He loves you. He is for you. You were created in joy for joy. If there's no joy in your life, get rid of the obstacles. Jesus died to remove those obstacles. Father, I thank you for your blessing. Help us to spread that joy to a very, very hurting, anxious, stressed out world right now. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenchurch.com.